Hey, welcome back to the show. Patrick Chappelle here. Welcome to the Patrick Podcast. So, so glad that you're listening. Here's the deal. I know, I mean, because I keep up with uh, who's been listening. Now, I don't know who you are, who's listening, but what I know is that we have listeners from all over the world, not even the U.S., but the world. Japan, what is up? I see you over there listening. Uh, Spain, let's go, Spain. I'm, I'm ready to come and hike the way out there, my people. But I love that we have listeners from around the world. Australia, Australia, big time listeners from Australia. So big shout out to all of our worldwide listeners. I appreciate your support and your uh, just interest in what we're chatting about here on the Patrick Podcast. So thanks for listening. Um, also, I don't say this enough. We need to start saying this enough. But the music that you just heard and the music that you're probably still hearing comes from Benjamin, the guy on the other end of the microphone. This guy wrote, that is his. He created those tunes and we're so thankful for it. So thank you, Ben. This okay. is so good. Um, so we're, yeah, I don't know. I'm so thankful for everything and what's been happening. But yeah, let's get you to the episode today. Today we have Chad Martin. Chad is a black business owner. He is owner of a um, a just a, a plethora of car dealerships in the U.S. He is so passionate, so talented in so many different ways. A massive shoe collector. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the episode. And, you know, he's been out here in these streets, in these social media streets, like so many of you have been um, in this year that has kind of awakened a lot of us to use our voices and platforms in new and unique ways. So I'm excited for you to hear from Chad, to hear his insight and wisdom. Make sure you can follow him. I think his. Instagram is like Chad Martin. I probably should have researched that. You know, you can find it. You're smart people. Uh, also, if you're not following us, we have a Patrick Podcast Instagram account. Hook that up with the follow. And if you're not already, share this episode with all of your people. Use your Instagram story on the Twitter. Give the retweet. Give a heart. That will help us expand this listenership. So thank you. Thank you so much for those who have already done that. And if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to do so. And that goes to for giving us the five stars on the Apple podcast app. Leave a review. Give us some stars. I would love it so, so much. Um, Yeah, that's what I've got happening. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to share with you all before we hop into this. I don't know, man. It's the fall. The fall is upon us. I'm excited for the change in season. Depending on where you live in the country and the world, the seasons are a changing. And so I'm excited for the fall living here in the South. I love a little bit cooler weather, putting on some sweaters, drinking pumpkin spice lattes. That's not true. I don't drink those at all. I don't drink any of those. So but I do love pumpkin bread. I'm pro pumpkin. I'm just not. Pumpkin spice latte. I'm not pro that necessarily. Okay. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just me, who I am. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the fall. I am, uh, as some of you know who listen, I DJ weddings on the side. So I've got a couple weddings that are still in 
in the queue for the fall. Fingers crossed they happen. I know many of you are in this season of like, fingers crossed, will I get to keep doing the things that I'm doing, whether that's school or work or travel plans, whatever that may be. So I'm sending my positive energy and prayers towards you for all of us to make it through the rest of this year uh, in a good way. So hopefully we're all staying healthy and we're all taking care of ourselves and uh, staying connected with one another. But yeah. Okay. That's what I have been. What is up? Benjamin. Benjamin. Which also you can't see this, which we may get into recording video, recording the podcast. It's like everybody's into that now. So maybe we should get into that. But you can't see this, but Ben, we've got a new Benjamin. He is oh, wearing no, do <laughs> he's wearing the bandana and it and it looks good. It looks good. Yeah, the bandana is honestly the bandana comes out almost every summer, but not usually in like a regular setting. It's like sure. when I'm like outside or like growing up when it'd be like cross country camp and things like that but yeah it's just it's mainly just because my hair is out of control and i'm like oh yeah introducing any method to control it <laughs> so um the That's bandana great. is here yeah bandana i like it it's good thanks man keep it keep it going it's good good look uh anything else happening on your end you got any shout outs or things you want to benjamin's known for a shout outs it's becoming the shout out <laughs> corner yeah uh, well, September 1st, there's a new, uh, Riley Buck single that I've produced. Um, so that's yeah, exciting. Riley Buck. She just put out also a music video for one of the tracks we did this past winter. So, um, very yeah, good video. It is. It's cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm really excited for her. So yeah, just go check out Riley Buck and like follow her Spotify page and you'll get everything you need there. So September 1st though, there's a new song and it's kind of the start of a new chapter of, of her music and we're trying out new things and it's really exciting so that's dope so riley buck check her out on all of your streaming platforms that'll be dope and yes that's it let's get you to this episode today chad martin here we go get into it This is my first podcast, so I'm very yeah intrigued. I've never done this before. So. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> you're here. You're doing it. Okay, yeah. Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. Hey, this is Chad. Hey, Chad. Hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so right now you are sitting. You're sitting in. It looks like is this your office? Yeah, this is my office. Yes, it's my. I'm sitting in my home office. Yes, correct. This is my office. This is my. Little computer, iPad, my Mac, big oh, computer. Nice. Now, uh, Craig has a dual screen in it, but, but you'll, you'll appreciate this because everybody gets a big kick out of this. You haven't seen this yet. No. You'll appreciate this. I'm, I'm just going to pan. You're going to okay. see my office. You see, We're you see, my, we see, the you books. see my law books behind yep. me. See the law you see, books. Yep. Like, all my management books and all that mm-hmm. stuff, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, 
everyone's like, okay, yeah, Chad's very professional. This very is like, professional. His, you know, this, this is his room. It is, this is his signature room. But then you pan to the right, and then you can see the only place that I can have all of my oh my, <laughs> good. my, my people were looking all, all of these sneakers. How many? To, oh, how many sneakers, sneakers are there? Sneakers. Um, yeah, it's a lot of sneakers. So wait. So do you have? Can you now, people at who are listening? You're not going to be able to see this, but can yeah. you? Describe to us which is your favorite pair. Like, which pair are you oh. the most like? I'm glad I have this pair of sneakers. Oh, uh, where are my? Well, I mean, I have a couple pair of retro Jor- Jordans that obviously are like, like the baby blues. Like, you have the baby blue uh, Jordans, yeah, like like ones and twos. Yeah, so we. Oh uh, wow. Uh, that but but they're not like original because obviously they came out when I was like a small oh, yeah, child, a small child. <laughs> <laughs> so so I had to go to. Um, uh so i've got them in new york there's like three big stores in new yeah, york that's right that, so so we did that um but in terms of my favorite i have a pair of y3s i don't know it I, you know like, like everything else it depends what fit you're wearing that day that's kind of what that's the mood what the, is the, and the so is, yeah it, so it just kind of it's kind of that sets the mood so i don't say it, but, you know they're not like children you know you're not like <laughs> you know so, i can't so, choose you know, a favorite yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so um you just kind of like whatever yeah i think it's it's whatever it's, it's whatever fit wherever you're going you know if you want something yeah. tropical maybe you want some bright colors you hit them like you know you know maybe in so yeah and they're not and they're not all randomly they're not all like yeah yeah uh, so, they're, not, so, they're not all like they're all not all it's mostly nike mostly mostly adidas but i throw a little some some in there you know just that's great them. wait no so here's <laughs> i've all so i've not had i think i've had on the show a couple of sneaker heads but we i've never asked i don't think i got to ask them this question but for you what was the moment? Did you have a moment where you were like, okay, I'm going to be a sneakerhead. Like, this is it. Because, like, this, I think people, like, bought shoes and had shoes. But then, you know, officially, like, this kind of culture of sneakerhead culture kind of has, like, emerged. And for you, was there, like, a moment where you were like, yeah, this is going to be one of my things. Is I'm going to, to kind of, like, find these great sneakers and this is going to be a part of my style and fashion. Yeah, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm a like a very low grade sneakerhead because mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I because I pretty much wear all my sneakers. I mean, obviously, yeah, I, okay, but I, but I don't I don't collect, so I just kind of right. wear, and that's why I'm wear. so so I don't. And you know, it, it's they're kind of for some people they're like art, and they yes. literally they're little collectors. You know, you go into like some of these places like. The shoe palace, and you see them like they're like in, in cases they're wrapped, and they're wraps. Wrapped in cases. Yes, and you, I look at these I'm like, this is fifteen thousand dollars. Like these right. people are nuts. Right. I mean, you see these people. Right. I'm like, where is the discount section? So, <laughs> where's the sales rack? That, yeah, yeah. So you're like, where's the discount section? But uh, so for me, I think it's a lot about. Um, it's just got. It's just another way of like you know. I think that you know most men don't have like a purse. So I think it's just another <laughs> this is way our of purse. like. Self, yeah. It's just another self expression, and I think that it's so like. Uh, as it became, I think more popular. That's probably when I became more like meaning. Meaning, in the past decade, I think that's that's yeah. a fair statement. I mean, to your point, everybody, especially you know, especially in the black community, every you know, for the past thirty years, sneakers yep. have been a big a big thing. thing but yep. collecting sneakers or like being like a sneaker head, actually, I would say. I mean, my this is kind of this isn't. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not giving any historical context, but I say within the past 10, 15 years, it's become popular. Sure, and I think that's and that's probably about the same time when um, when I started buying more pairs and started mm-hmm. kind of like getting into getting into the scene a little bit more. Because also, there's a thing now; it's kind of like bargain hunting, where I'll buy a pair um, 
I'll buy a pair at like Nike.com or whatever. Like I like this, or whatever. I'm, I might even not know if it's like a big name or becoming, and it, then it could end up becoming a really hot shoe. Right. And then suddenly, I mean, obviously I wear mine, but so, so to somebody, but so, something that was like a hundred and, you know, a hundred to $120 right. can then be like six, $700. I mean, I'm not getting that because I'm wearing my shoes. Yeah. Cause you but wear them. You yeah. gotta feel like, Oh, like you're like, am I a curator of art? <laughs> <laughs> Did I just step into this role of curation? Do I have, do I have an eye for this? You know, so I think that that's kind of what it becomes. Oh, so I, that's I think good. it's pretty. Um, so, but to your, but it's kind of like I was. I think it's kind of. This is the only place that I had enough that I had like the the shelving to, for it. To so hold I had all the to sneakers. move. Like you know, who needs all those constitutional law books? Who needs all? <laughs> the, I had to make room for the white. Now, okay, now people listening, they may be they who don't know you already will be can will be a little bit confused because they think oh. So this Patrick's talking to a black lawyer, but that's not true. Technically, well, that, that, that I'm or, not black or I'm not a lawyer. Are you a lawyer? <laughs> Wait, did I miss that part? No, I, I knew that right. law that I, law they, they was get, a part of the. Probably confused about a lot of things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're like, like, like I'm talking to. So I don't know. Uh, no, I, you know, I don't. I don't practice. I went. Yeah, I went to law that that I keep the books behind me because i think that they are you know it's kind of like as you see everybody today on tv i feel like it's, it's very good decorative uh artwork now uh and it's something it's something in your mind uh i think that it's like i've read can, i've read a book you know i know yeah, I, I've, I've read a book i've read a book or two i don't have a book to promote or i guess i would put that behind me right here um yeah i you know i think that uh i decided early on that i wanted to i mean uh, the, the, a very concise version i decided when i was in uh, college i wanted to go to law school and uh my uh i have the the book above i keep my old lsat book above me just because my dad bought it for me and then my dad passed away like shortly after that and so yeah. for me it was kind of always like a little bit of, like i that's always been, like a keepsake for me and i was like oh i want to do this and i was like i'm not i'm gonna keep kind of it's something that kind of kept me going right in terms of like a direction right um and so then when i went to law school and then i came out of law school and i started doing um and i started doing uh my this business and so i start so now i'm doing business and so now basically i just pontificate and i get to play from the sidelines and like right. art and i get to play from the play, play from the sidelines so that's kind of where that where that kind of came from so uh i think that just like just like anything you know you have a lot of building blocks to there's a lot of building blocks and layers to everybody and that's just right. kind of one of my people, people people do find it like kind of interesting just because it's not it's a little bit um it's a little bit i guess atypical yeah, that's very true. Cause now, cause now you own uh, like how many? How many? What's the count now? Uh, we uh, my my family owns uh twelve car dealerships. Twelve. And so and that's, that's right. my my job is to run and that run those. for them. Wow, yes. twelve. On uh, most days I run them. Some days I don't. Which you know, sometimes you run towards business, sometimes you run away from business. That's, right. that's what it is. Yeah, what, so it did, that just depends on the day you wake up, or is that, or or is that like a moment? Is it like different things that factor into that? Uh, no, not every day. I mean, every day is different. Every day is a new. Every day in business is a new challenge. I guess sure. that's, a, that's what makes it so interesting. And right. I think that people, so, some people think it's very stressful. You know, some it's stressful. I mean, you know, business high stress because you're dealing with a lot of people. You're dealing, with, you're dealing with you know, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with customers, you're dealing with, um, uh, vendors or, you know, your employees and vendors and customers and, uh, and everyone, the city, everyone in between. I mean, you have a lot of people, you have a lot of people and a lot of personalities coming in, 
coming into work with you. So I think that, so to me, some days you feel like everything's happening at once. Yeah. And then other days you feel like not, but then I think that over the time you get a rhythm to most of it because you, and you, re- and you realize that you can't, uh, I think some depression, you realize it, you realize that you, there is, a, that you're in a, you're in control a lot more than what you think you are. Right. I'll say, of, of your, I would say not of your life and of your decision and, and of your way to react to things. And the moment you realize that not everything is an emergency is the moment you start living your life. Yeah. So I guess here's, here's my question. I, I'm sure that, being a black business owner at any time in history has been interesting and challenging in its own different ways. Mm-hmm. But, I, but it's so interesting. I'm, I'm very interested in, in this question of what has it been like in the midst of what is culturally and nationally happening in this particular year that has made it even more g- great or challenging or stressful because i'm sure that ever since you've been in this business there's been like seasons and years and moments where it's like this is easy everything's clicking we're all rolling and i'm sure there's been other times where it's like what is happening what like what what even is going on right now so I'm, i'm just curious what that's been like for you to sit in the seat that you sit in especially in a year like 2020 uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of, the new, the, the nuance at the table is very, yeah is, is there, I mean, it's there and I, and I'm very privileged for a lot of reasons, but I do think that I, I bring a perspective that when I'm talking to people about race in America, in business, that a lot of people don't quite ever get to really see. And I think that a lot of times when I'm talking to people, they're saying, oh, well, you're successful. So therefore, by whatever metric you want to say successful, right. you know, if you're successful, therefore you don't really understand. And I'm saying, and I tell a lot of people <laughs> on this other, on this, on, on, on this arc of life, you're going to realize that when you're in, that when you're in an environment like this, that I'm the only black person at most of the tables that I sit at. I'm the only black person at, you know, I'm like, I go into these businesses and these banks and when I'm with these lenders, they're like, Oh, we like to, we like to, um, you know, we like to lend to people, you know, for generations. So, you know, we have a lot of like people whose grandfathers, Mm -hmm. you know, had been at, you know, X, Y, Z. These are very large banks. Now I'm like thinking in my head as a, as a black man, I was like, Oh, my grandfather was living on, uh, that was living on a farm that he inherited from slave owner from, from his, from his, his father, you know, wow. from his father was, which was an old slave plantation. So it's kind of like a, it's like we're living in different worlds here. I mean, just to kind of get, give like, give a percent. Cause I think when you're, when you're saying something, when people are saying, it's not like, I don't think it's negative. No one's saying it to be like, Oh, like we're so different, but that's the kind of environment that you're kind of in. And so I try to tell, explain to people that you are, it's very, in some ways, very isolating in terms of it's, I would argue in some ways more isolating because you are going, there's a large possibility that you are, are going to be the only black person in the room yeah. or that you're going to be the only black person, you know, that could see these, um, that that's kind of in, in the, in a decision-making role. So that's mm-hmm. on one side of it. I think that just trying to explain that to people who are maybe thinking, okay, well, you can't really relate to that because you're not, you're not in the fight in the same way. And that's, that's the, that's, yeah. the, that's the, that's the, that's the understanding. 
Then on the other side of it, I see for myself, it's been a reflection of what, what have, what have I done? What has my family done? Have we done enough? And I think that's kind of a reflection of saying, hey, listen, we do have this seat at this table. What can we do more of? And that's what we really spent a lot of time on over the past, you know, three, four months talking about is what can we do more of? Um, And I think that that's, that's been a great, uh, I think we have a lot of great things that we've been, we started to work on and try to try to incorporate uh, as much as much of ourselves in the movement as possible. Mm, yeah. Cause I mean, I think what people don't understand is that for, you know, for, for those that find themselves the only black or Brown person at a, in a room and in a table and in situations is that everyone always is wanting to hear from you and not that you don't have an opinion and not that you're not ready to say something and not that you want to add to the conversation, but it's almost like you go into every meeting knowing that like someone's probably going to ask me not only a question as relates to this meeting that we're having, but want me to be this spokesperson and this voice for a body of people that is diverse as anything else in the, in the world, which is just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, yeah, you, you become the voice. You become, yeah. you become the voice. I mean, I mean, I think that's where you know. I think that the 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 non probably non PC, but the vernacular is the token. Um, that's, that's what, right. I, and I think that that's where you um, that that's and that's why you we need more diversity. I and mean, we also think that's why, that's why if you learn more, you know, you you see a lot of foolishness out there because people have, don't have diversity. They don't know what they're talking about. And that's how you end up with. Uh, silly advertisements that are offensive and racist, <laughs> and no one really realizes. No one really realizes it. And that's what. Yeah. Well, and, and it's so and I, it's so funny to me because you would think that like if you if you're in a room and you're making an advertisement and it's trying to target diversity of of any kind, and if you look in the room and and it's all sameness in the room that you're making this decision, you would think that like oh maybe we should get a couple people who are not who don't look like us to help us make this decision. But it's like, no, they just kind of like, Oh, I know, you know, Mm -hmm. I've heard a Kendrick Lamar song. I can speak on behalf of the, (laughs) of, of the blacks that I know. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't know. That's the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're, man, it, it, it is very, um, there's a lot of layers to it all. And there's a lot of different, you know, I mean, I just think in the, the lack of, the lack, I think the lack of diversity, what I perceive to be one of the biggest threats to our uh, our capitalistic society is going to have to be, it's going to be the diversity element yeah. of it. I mean, I, I mean, you have, you have to kind of think that you, you look at the, what it's commonly referred to as the browning of America and look at who has seats of power and how right. many, you know, and you look at the three sitting of centers that are, that are black and you kind of have to look at, you, you kind of have to think, okay, does this, is this really representation of America? And then you start looking at the number of board seats. You know, they said uh, someone someone had a great because they said I saw your tweets. Now show me the board seats. Oh, and I thought yeah. that was great that's because good. I think that's really you look at that. And, you know, I'm, like, I'm like looking at Apple. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like looking at Apple's board seats. I'm like they don't have any. This one's like no, 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 no. They have one person. I was like oh, oh okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so um, you know, you you look at you kind of look at who's kind of making who are decision makers. And I think that you have to be very conscious of of diversity because if not it's just people that look and act and talk like you and i think that's right that's just not the you know diversity of you know i know 
I hate when people are like, oh, diversity of opinion. That's not real diversity. But even <laughs> diversity of opinion, you have to yeah. look for that. You give yeah. not, I mean, so that doesn't count as part of your diversity metric. But right. you have to, in the same way that I don't want somebody to say, yes, sir, yes, sir. I want somebody to challenge me. You have to look, you have to seek and find that. So wait, that's a good, that's a good question that I, I, I have is as someone who sits in the, in a, in a boss seat, like you're a boss, like that's just plain and simple. Oh. You're a boss, right? You have an opportunity as you're hiring people who are in close proximity to you. Like, uh, how do you keep uh, yourself from not hiring? Yes. Men and women. Like what, I, like, how do you even, how do you do that? I, you make a conscious decision. I mean, I think everything's a conscious decision. I think that every hire that you're making is like, somewhat of a conscious decision or sure. not, you know, and I think that that's where you, where you, uh, you, you, I mean, that's where the, you have to understand the team that you have and then the team that you're looking to, to build. So you can so, you know, like in, um, if you understand your strengths and your weaknesses, which sounds very cliche, but you understand your team's strengths and weaknesses and say, Hey, I don't have anybody who has a skill set. This would be very interesting for me to have. Yeah. And I think that's what we kind of do a lot. And I think that especially, I mean, on a very basic level, like taking even like, you know, taking, taking all our, all the components out of it, you know, taking race and gender and everything else out of it. You're, Everybody has their, their 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 prejudices. Everybody has their way of kind of doing um, uh, the way they want to do things, the way they perceive the world. And so you have to have a different you have to have different viewpoints, mm-hmm. and that's really uh, and you have to have those different viewpoints at the table. And so understanding that I think is just such a critical role, and you know take uh, and certainly extent take, take those risks right. um, to to go and bring somebody in from like who might not be from your industry, who might have different experience or anything else to bring those people in because that's what it's going to take to really move things forward because you have to understand that the whole world is connected. Right. This sounds very, no, this, this is good. Uh, very broad. <laughs> 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 so, uh, it's, it's like, is he going to make a point? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, because man. Because at the end of the day, the world is a puzzle and everything fits together and has its way. And so it's not like nothing is as different as you think it is. Right. And everything is in some way related to what you're doing. So kind of like how I started talking about, you know, the skill set and the building blocks that you have. Nothing's not, not, you know, people are like, oh, you went to college and you wasted your degree because you were, you know, you're uh you're an art history major or whatever that major was, you know, you know, he like, but that's not a waste of degree because you're going to go and you're going to understand from your art history degree, which I was on history major. So I'm going to botch everything <laughs> about this, but I you're going to, you chose that degree though. Yeah. Well, but, but you're going to understand, <laughs> right. Right. You're right. going to understand You're going to understand international commerce better. Mm-hmm. You're going to understand humanitarianism better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, excuse me, humanity better. Right. Uh, right. You know, the, the humanities, I guess, it, better because of your background in that. So right. I th- I don't think that there's such a thing as like any kind of wasted time. Everybody's going to bring their own perspective and their own view. And I think we've just added to the conversation. Let's also talk about bringing race because there's no way that a white person in America has the same experience as a black person in America. A black person in America experience is not going to be the same as, you know, as a Native American's experience. Right. Everybody's going to have wildly different experiences and they're all very important to marketing and selling goods. Yeah, that's true. In, 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 the, cap, in, the, in the sphere of capitalism. Huh. Yeah, I brought it back to capitalism there. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, you're from uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So what, what, was, what was it like growing up in? What my favorite thing about Bowling Green, Kentucky is that it's like the most restaurants per capita, which yeah, is that's fun. Old. 
That's the fun random fact. fun facts. It's a fun fact fact. Yes. <laughs> it's like, uh, yes. That's, that's like, so it's not like, it's like the most, like who has the most gems per capita? Who, I, yeah. That's what people want to know. Like, yeah, I mean, like yeah, restaurants. most restaurants per capita. Yeah. Oh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah. So right. what, what was that like growing up in Bowling Green, Kentucky? And then eventually making your way, cause he went to Pepperdine for a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. And then before, yeah, like, what was that like? Migrating about. Migrating uh, about. And was it always kind of like, I am going to leave this Bowling Green, Kentucky, this Southern city, and I'm going to, I'm going to travel. Like, what, what was all that process like for you? Uh, it was, uh, no, I, no, I mean, I love, I love Bowling Green. I mean, I, it was never like, I have to get out of here. This is crazy. Right. I, mean, I love Bowling Green. I love all my friends. Um, my family, uh, you know, are, you know, I mean, we, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm there, <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we have businesses there and so, and, and we're there and, uh, no, it wasn't like that. I just, I wanted to, um, uh, I, I had heard about Pepperdine and I didn't know where I went, where, where I wanted to go to school. And so I, I had, and so it was between Vanderbilt and Pepperdine. Right. Um, and I ended up going out to Pepperdine at the time. Uh, my family was doing a lot of work on the West coast as well. And so it kind of made sense for us as a family because there was reason for everyone to be out there. And I fell in love with the campus, obviously. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, and it was, it was great. So it was never like, oh, I don't like this at all. And I don't sure. feel, I feel like, you know, Bowling Green is so great because it's so diverse. Yeah. Um, it, it's like, it has like some of the highest uh, percentages of ethnic people in, um, in Kentucky. Um, it's like, it's like they have a, massive uh like international festival every summer uh i mean it's a it's really a great in my view of a small town it, it's a great small town america i don't think that and it, i i just think that it's my experience was quite different than that of a lot of people that i've met across the country because also we had very good we have a very good education system in bowling green we have a very good i mean things that i think that i took for granted growing up you know public schools were really great right right you know, the, the high school I went to and all the high schools in Bowling Green have great like AP programs. They have great special needs programs. Right, I mean, right, right, they, right. they really, they're funded well and they're clean and they don't have the kind of violence that violence issues that you see in some other places. And so I think that I grew I feel like almost in a way it kind of sheltered me from the rest of the, of what's really happening in, in America. Sure. Because it's such a different kind of way of growing up and like kind of this like very, uh, Americana <laughs> style, style style living, and I that, and, and so I didn't really understand that. Oh, there are really bad schools in America. There yeah, are yeah, like I mean, yeah, you know yeah, really yeah, bad yeah. you know like really bad elementary schools. Not, you know, every you know you know it's kind of that just wasn't something that I had. I mean, I had the best AP teachers. We had great uh, you know programs, great sports programs. You know, we had we had all that, and so you're kind of when you're growing up and that's kind of what your that's kind of your basis. That's why I said to talk about diversity of opinion. It's so important to see, oh wait, wait, oh everything's not like this. You know, you have to go through metal tetras to get to school. You didn't have your these programs weren't funded. You had to go to a magnet school, you know, an hour away from your school right. to get this education. Right. That's completely different. Yeah. So that, that, that's interesting. Okay. That's that's good. Cause I I mean I don't know much about bowling green, you know just a little bit, but that's that's good to know that. And it does feel like because where it's placed and where it's situated in the state of Kentucky, it definitely has a a different vibe than than per- perhaps the rest of the the rest of the state, you know. And uh, I've kind of noticed that, so that's good. Um, so I guess here's another question I had, and you know, this is something that I've been noticing 
for a, a lot of folks recently, and I feel like you and, and, and others have found yourself in this space, and especially in light of everything that's happening with um, race, the race conversation um, to conversations around politics to all of this, everything that's been happening, you know, as it, as it relates to this kind of wild year known as 2020. And I guess for you, you know, you, you seem, and, and like a lot of folks, like I said, have been more vocal and, and active on social media. And so I'm always curious, like people's journey to like, okay, like this is, I'm now going to be in this space and I'm okay being in this space of like trying to use this platform as way of informing and advocating for, uh, for different topics and different causes and different conversations. So how, how have you, because, you know, it's, you could very easily just, you know, you're a dad, you know, you are a husband, you've got plenty of like photos and content you could push out that is all related to that and never get into this kind of uh, conversations, but, but here you are. So kind of what, what has that been like for you to kind of enter into that space? And especially as it relates to being even a bit, you know, a business owner, cause that's all, it's all connected, right? Yeah. Part of me feels you're going to love this comparison. I feel kind of like Obama in the sense when he was like, I'm not going to speak out until it's something very important to me. Right. <laughs> I feel like that was like, that was great. I was like, I'm going to use that. Yeah, like, that's good. Why do you see that? Yeah, no, and I think that that was a great, I think that that's a great, I think that's a great lesson, I guess a little bit in life is just, you know, so I, I'm not going to, yeah, I was never super active before about um, talking politically. I mean, I was kind of brought up in an environment, as you know, when you're, especially when you're black and in business, people think people already have this, you're, you're, you're tiptoeing through a lot of different landmines that other people don't have. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, and that's a problem. So um, I think that that really, um, uh, that was a, that because of I was brought up like that, that really caused me to not want to talk a lot about politics. You don't talk about politics. Right. You don't talk about money. That, that's kind of how I was brought up. Now social media kind of changed some of that. And I did kind of talk about like it, uh, uh, after Ferguson, I kind of spoke out about a couple of different things about that. And then, but this year I just felt like it's been so important to make, to, to speak out. And, uh, I, I really have this, uh, I, I think that it's given a lot of people freedom to talk that yeah. they haven't had that they haven't had before. A lot, most people being, of course, we're having other employers, but I try to keep it a little bit separate. But as I was speaking um, and as I started to kind of talk more and do more, you know, to kind of even give like more public statements to different publications, things like that, it became very the support that I think that we that I got and that's people realizing that, oh, these aren't like. And I don't think they are. These aren't like extremist views. Right, I think that I'm right, very exactly. base. And I think that people, I think that not getting like right through the coals, I think that if I was like a, a flashpoint, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I'm making really anything that I'm mean, speaking from, from, from experience. So I'm not trying to make, I'm not trying to make provocative statements. I guess sure. my, yeah. And I don't think they are provocative statements. And they realize, when I realize they're not provocative statements, and they're just facts and people are like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Or people are asking, Hey, can you explain this to me more or tell me more about this. That's, what's kind of encouraged me. And then I, then I, then as you, you know, um, I think that, uh, well, not as you, but, uh, I really got active with my family on this anti-lynching, uh, Emmett, Emmett Till, uh, legislation that came out and that became very um, important right. 
uh, being uh, being descendants, as I kind of alluded to earlier, being descendants of slaves. Uh, our family owns a property. Uh, my not just my immediate family, but my dad's side of the family owns a property up in Mimbar County, a farm they still operate. That's former slave land. Um, that 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 just was very important to our family. Right. And I'd spoken to my mom quite a bit about, hey, what can we do? We that's when we kind of start talking about donating to NAACP and trying to get some some things happening and some future things happening. That was very important. Um, and then also it was very disheartening because Rand Paul had made the comments. Uh, uh, Rand Paul basically held up the entire legislation. Rand Paul is a senator from Bowling Green, Kentucky, right. uh, living you know living very near uh, my family, and to have so and so I made some very vocal comments not only to the press, but I also made some very vocal comments to the community in which we live. Right. That, right. <laughs> that basically said, um, I want zero, that we want zero part of that, that you know, that basically we're going to call that we're going to call this out at all levels. Yeah. Because I felt, I felt that his, um, his, his response to anti-lynching legislation to be very, uh, callous, nonsensical. Cause he did, he'd already made the point before just contrarian, be contrarian. Somehow we were going to, he was like something about, a black woman and Jewish people slapping each other. It, it, it made, it, it, it was like completely conflated into something that it, that, you know, it became this new quite honestly, alt-right, alt-right point of deflect, 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 right. or deflect. Everything is, everything is extremism now. Everything is, well, you know, this could be, and I'm like, that's not even how the law remotely works. Right. Remember, Remember this book behind me. <laughs> um, so I mean, so I mean, you can you can what about all day? I mean, mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. well, what about this time? What about, I mean, that that's I mean, that's that's a fun. You know, so this is it's ridiculous. And I thought that I'm not just saying this now, knowing that what we said oh, today, but you know, sure. Kamala Harris did a phenomenal job of basically saying for him to say that that the three black senators, one being a Republican but from South Carolina, right. um, as well. <laughs> weren't taking this basically seriously. It was a farce. And I think that we took it very personally. So when that happened, that became a massive flashpoint for me to say, no, absolutely. I'm going to attack this on every single, every single fiber of me felt like this is wrong. Uh, there were two lynchings in, um, um, in California, not too long after that. Wow. Suppose, yeah. okay. Well, alleged, alleged lynching because supposedly they were suicides, but, Right. I mean, I'm not familiar with any one who's going to city hall to go hang themselves. Right. Um, so that so very suspicious. So very suspicious activities there, and so I think that we, so we felt very, uh, very, very. It was very important to us that we that we spoke out specifically yeah. to me, and that's when I started getting more vocal about a lot of the issues that I saw in the community. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think that that's and it's been encouraging to see people you know who are a part of all kinds of industry, whether they're black or white or Hispanic or in Latinx, whatever it may be, they are, are starting to speak out and to be in to use their voices more, which I think that's something that we've always had. And, and I think what's interesting to me is that how, how many people it's sometimes the hesitation to post or to say something or to speak out is because we don't want to, get questions asked of us and or we don't we're not ready to have hard conversations and i think that's a part of life and a part of growing in life is having hard conversations with family with friends with coworkers with neighbors and it's like we eventually need to talk about like the the real stuff the, mm-hmm. the stuff beyond like 
how the weather is today and and what the what the kids are studying in school, that kind of stuff. So I think this is really good to see people kind of feel the the emboldening and passion to to speak up. And 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 like you, I'm, I'm still very confused by you know uh, in, in in certain areas the resistance for uh for moving forward which is just so fascinating to me that there's still in in 2020 so much resistance in moving and moving forward it seems that some people want to stay stagnant or some and in some ways go back which is just weird well we're you know we're we are we're going back we're going back that's yeah. I mean, the housewives uh, yeah. that's, you know, I mean the, the housewives rhetoric, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, right. a, it's, a, it's a, sorry, <laughs> it's a, that could get picked up. I don't know how, how it's picked up. It's like talking about the housewives of like a city, like a Bravo uh, show, <laughs> but no, I'm, 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 I'm at the housewives comment, uh, as you know, as we're like some of these, I don't even know what it's not a, I don't need the dog whistle. It's like an age whistle. I don't know what that is, but, right. um, yeah, but I think it also, what I also learned is that my, and this is something I feel, I feel very passionate about is that no one's a monolith, like no people are a monolith and no view is a monolith. And the biggest reactions that I get from people or when I'm talking to people, people are, are they, hey, I'm curious, Chad, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Not everyone who, not everything has to be in the same lane. Right. Like I think hmm. that it's completely, it's completely possible for you to be, for you to be very pro-life and also very pro-immigration. I mean, those are two things that you could be. I mean, right. those, I'm, I'm like, I'm, you know, but a lot of people think, oh, like, no, we want to, a lot of people think that, no, if you're pro-life, you must be, you must be very, um, also, you must be very, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what the term they say for anti-immigration, but very str- stronger borders, I think is what the, oh, they're yeah. calling it now. Right, right. Um, stronger borders, because apparently people don't immigrate via planes, but stronger borders. <laughs> don't, so, don't tell them about the planes. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, so I think that there's these things. So I think it's very confusing. So sometimes I'll post something and I don't know, and I, not that you want to get into, I, I, like, I, like yeah. I'm very for obviously most, you know, I, I'll post something and talk about very strong support for, um, for black women. Of course. I mean, I'm married a black woman. I have yes. two, two daughters, but I came out very strong against Joy Reid getting, uh, Joy Reid getting, a a show, uh, a primetime show, because she said a lot of things that I thought were never answered for against the LGBT community. And I thought that it was very, I thought that she never really apologized. And mm-hmm. I, I said, you know, this is a problem inside the black community is that it furthers black community, their view of, 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 L- of LGBT rights. And I was very, and people were like, Oh, that's so interesting because I thought you were, I was like, yes, you can be for black people succeeding. And you can also have an opinion that what a black person did was not right. right. And therefore they should, they should make amends for what they've done. And so I think that that like really threw people. <laughs> um, I saw, I saw, I saw a lot of people and it's not about not supporting people. It's about, you know, I just think that there's certain things that are non-negotiable and that certain things that you have to just have to deal with forward. Well, I mean, and there's, and there, oh, yeah, I don't know. Like we can go down a rabbit hole with that. That's for sure. But I, <laughs> well, I was going to, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's true that like, yes, you know, um, we want, we are, we are all about supporting the, the black experience and black people, um, black men and women and, and especially black women, you know, cause I'm, you know, and like you said, like I'm a strong uh, supporter of black women just in, in the some part, because 
I was raised by my mother, my aunts, and my godmother, primarily. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. my, my whole kind of like upbringing is attached to black females. So like I am very much in the corner of black females, but you're exactly right. Like I can still be that and I can still be critical mm-hmm. of someone who's doing something that is um, not helpful and, and, right. and not uh, where, where we need to be landing or, or not even, you know, uh, coming out and, and, and making some sort of like, Hey, right. this thing I said was not, was not good. And now, and granted, now I and I and I am somebody who likes to talk about this with with folks every now and then, which is I do think that as a culture we are we are still trying to figure out what does what does an apology from a public figure look like and how do we collectively receive that mm-hmm. and how do we say okay you've apologized you've you've done the work whatever that work needed to be and now you get to re-enter into this larger society i still think we're working out all those different pieces because it, it is much easier to say you said a bad thing you did a bad thing you're out of here um versus like okay someone who's saying hey i'm i'm sorry that i said that or i did that and i'm gonna go yeah. i'm gonna go away and I'm going to mm-hmm. work on self and I'm going to get right. And then I, I would love to reenter into this new space as a, as a new changed person. Right. So I don't know if you got thoughts on that. No, yeah. I mean, cancel culture is, I mean, cancel culture, but I don't think in that situation, I just, that a, I think that there was not really ever an apology. It was more of like, I didn't do it. Oh, I did it. Yes. That's right. That's right. So, in that situation. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like that was a little bit, and that now, so I think there had been a more of a full-throated apology initially, and I think that putting everyone on the right pack, I just think it's hard to say. I, yeah, I, that's kind of where I was at. On the cancel culture overall, yeah, there needs to be some... I mean, the problem today is that everything is just so... kind of every. If you think this one thing, then everyone thinks that you must think all these other 25 things. And I think that I look at people like Van Jones, who got a lot of criticism from um, the left, a lot mm-hmm. of criticism from the left about... When he kind of essentially was a, I'd say a proponent, I don't know, it was, like, it was confusing as to what his exact role was in some of the prison reform that he had worked with the Trump administration on. Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, we knew he worked something because Kim Kardashian is working with him. Um, and that's kind of all one thing. But people were like, how can you support this administration? How can you do this? I'm like, not everything that everybody does. I mean, you can, first of all, if a hustler is going to hustle. So. <laughs> If you can find a way to get something done that you want to get done and you right. don't like working with certain people, that's just life. That's just business. That's just the way the world yeah, works. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I didn't think that he, I didn't think that was like inappropriate. So, but I think that it was like, but then to say that, but like he's not over here agreeing with the crazy like conspiracies that he's talking about, but you can agree on what, I mean, you can go with anybody and agree with, hey, one thing. So I think it's very, just because you agree with somebody, you work with somebody, it's everything is geared towards if you're agreeing, you're losing. All right, and mm, that's, that's not what, and that's just not how I see. That's I, I think that that I think that's very damaging to both, um, to both Americans and the way we view our democracy, and also I, I, also in business. I think that the idea that you have to get you know everybody in negotiation, everybody wants to feel that like they got something, like that they have. Yeah. That's the kind of the primary thing you know when you're negotiating for anything, a house, a car, a sticker. Everybody wants to feel like they got a great deal. That's when the value you know when value meets the purchase. So everybody wants to have that feeling, and I'm just kind of like, oh, is this, is this how we want to present our political, you know, our politics, right. our, and what, and 
what in politics has become so overarching, like you used to be just like a disagreement. Now a disagreement is that's your political stance on that. I'm like, well, I don't know. I just thought I had an opinion. I didn't realize it was political. Okay. It's sorry. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's true. That's true. So, okay. uh, Since we kind of starting to come back around to business, I do want to, I do, I did want to ask you this as a black business owner and in this kind of surgence of people saying, let's, let's, support black businesses, which is, which is good. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Um, uh, what I'm curious is as someone who is, who owns a business and, and who is black, what is, I guess I'm trying to figure out how I want to ask it, but maybe I want to ask is what's something that as someone say you're a person X over here who is like, I'm going to start doing this, supporting black businesses like what is your you know kind of like statement to like those who have maybe never have thought about shopping or buying goods or any kind of thing and other than like what they're used to like what's some wisdom advice or perspective or like hey here's what here's what you should know or here's what you should consider as you start like expanding your your who you who you support business-wise with Mm -hmm. your dollars I don't know. That, I don't know if that question makes sense, but we, we yeah. went with it. <laughs> I, I mean, don't give me trouble, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I well, have a lot. Of, well, literally, I everyone that says that who I, comes on the show don't get me in trouble. What are we doing? <laughs> well, yeah. well, because I think that there's a couple of things. I think that there are there's two sides to the story. I think that there's one on the side of the story. I think this again kind of pretty well publicized that. Uh, Home Depot and Lowe's. And I want to get the story correct. So, is there a fact checker on that works for the show, or are we going to fact check? That's not. We can fact check later. <laughs> Do we have the budget for that? Uh, <laughs> that at the time there was this big push that Home Depot. This is like two months ago. That Home Depot had donated money to like the Trump campaign, and that that was a big Trump supporter. And apparently, at the Lowe's. Um, the low CEO, I believe, is, bl- is a black man. I believe those two things to be true. And he was like very pro a couple of stances that might have been more, not like fringe, but, but, but not fringe, but like, you know, more le- not left fringe, but, you know, just like more blue leaning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is good to know that he's black. I didn't know he was black. I would support Lowe's over Home Depot that I know the CEO is black. I and mean, that's kind of like when, the, when I knew that, I was like, this would be something I'm looking at. This, this would be something that uh, that's good to know. Uh, I think that was kind of a tipping point because I think some people were like, oh, I'm not going to, like, it became like a red blue thing. Um, That's so and, funny. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I mean, not that I'm going to Lowe's every day, but I was like, if, I'm, if I need to go pick up some mulch, then I'll pop over to Lowe's. Uh, he's, you know, he's a black CEO. I'm, I'm going to support that. Yeah. He went to, he went to Memphis. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So he's, wow. yeah, he's Memphis. So he's and basically, you know, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Bill Street Wait, to talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> thank you for that real life. We, we, we employ Google to fact check for us. Yeah. Thank um, you, Google. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that, so that did, I mean, that was an encouraging buying signal for me. And I think that's important. Um, but then I also think that there's this other like underbelly two things. It's like one thing is, okay, do you want to buy black? You're going to buy from a car dealership. Hey, I want to buy a new Ford. I, I want to buy from a black Ford dealer. You can do that. And that's great. Um, and that is a little bit more, I want to say you have to be fairly active to do that. Like to say, and you have to kind of really, you know, you have to say, okay, because there's not that many black Ford dealers. You look at all the Ford dealers across the country. There's not many black Subaru dealers. There's the black Subaru dealers all across the country. I mean, I'm just, I mean, yeah. I think there's four of us. So you I mean, that's, that's, you, you're in, 
uh, one of my good friends to do in Texas. So you're in Texas. You'd be on, way on the other side of Texas and that's say, I'm going to drive four hours to say I bought a Subaru from a, from a black dealer. I don't know. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. You know, I can't. No one's going to hold that against you. So there's there's that one side where it's just we have to get more diversity. I think it's on creating a diversity so it doesn't have to be such a conscious decision. Right. That's the problem. I think that's like because it has to be such a conscious decision to buy to buy black in these mass products that you're like, why don't we have more infra more infrastructure, more dollars behind it to support black businesses without having to really think about it? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, you know, I don't I, I shouldn't be. A, the problem is that it's a chore to buy black in the sense that there's just not it's in the sense that you, the odds are unless you're looking for it, you're not going to find it. Yeah. And I, and I said I mean, some now and that was that's a great point because I had a friend who asked me like what can I do what can I actually do and I was like well you know just support black go to black restaurant or go um to buy wherever you know your black goods whatever you're buying goods like do that and it's like well I don't I don't I just go to the shops that are near me and I was like that's the point. Yeah. Like that, and that literally so is the it, point. It's a structural it, that's yeah. where you can talk about the systemic side of it. Right. It's a it's a systemic side. And so and then the other side is, and the other side, we're kind of talking about, you know, there's also, then there's the stereotypical black things that you can buy that I guess everybody can, that everybody would support. I mean, you go to any, you know, if you're, even though I was very surprised when I found that Manel's is owned by a white man. I did <laughs> so, not know that. Yeah. So I was very surprised. So I was like, oh, I didn't see before. Uh, which is great. Great. Yeah. I'm glad. I mean, because it's clearly... Well, I don't give a shot. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Monel's, for those of you who are listening, that's a Nashville restaurant, kind of a meat and three, which is like a meat and three vegetable kind of thing. It's very good. It's, it's good, delicious. It's, it's delicious. It's delicious. So, so, so you support? Are you? So you support uh, it? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, you can support. No, you support. No, it's great. It's great. But I'm saying that do you. So you think like when I say stereotypical, it's like there's a lot of black restaurants, and that's kind of where where the go to has been because also black restaurants, restaurants in general, not just like. Have the have a lower barrier of entry than opening up something like a car dealership or opening something like a right. big box retailer. Right. So, but those are obvious places that you can go. Now, if you're and then there's certain things that I think on, on another level that if you're black, you just don't have a choice. If you're black, you're going to a black barber. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe Hispanic barber. I mean, but we're kind of like in the same the, the places that I go. It's like black and Hispanic barbers all in one, so it's very cultural. Uh, That's but then amazing. You you know, or if you're going, you know, if you're going to Sally's Beauty Supply. You know, you're kind of, you are, if you're, there's certain things that when you're black, you're just going to be done with black people because white people don't want to deal with it yeah. business-wise. I mean, yeah. it's, black people just have cornered the market with that. Yeah. I, said, I mean, Carol's daughter is owned by, I believe, Royale. So um, I think that's it. They got bought by somebody. So you can kind of do that. But overall, there are kind of the more, and I don't mean stereotypical, and about, I'm just saying that the sure. black owned oh, hair care, yeah. care products. I mean, that's that's where ethnic, when you talk specifically hair care and, you know, I don't know what else, what other words you have, <laughs> but <laughs> no, that, that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that would be, so I think there's kind of different levels to that. There's the things that, okay, easily, easy restaurants. That's an easy way to support black owned, black owned businesses. But I'm just saying people try to sneak it in on you like Manel's. I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be walking in I there. They're trying it. to sneak it in, but you're, they... <laughs> you're, you're there. You thinking that you're at the barbecue <laughs> and you get there and you're, and I'm, I'm, look, I'm reading the thing. I'm like, what is it? What is it? So, uh, but, but you go to a restaurant and then you can go and then you can go also, but and he's going to take a step further. Um, but I, I don't fault anyone who has to, who will not drive three hours to go buy a car or go buy whatever from a black owned business, because to me, that's where the systemic side of it comes in. And that's where we need support 
in building people up so that I don't have, so that you're like your friend said, if he has to go to the convenience store, he doesn't have to drive across town to the convenience to go to the quote unquote black side of town to the convenience store to own a black owned convenience store. There's a black owned convenience store right across the street from him. Yeah. That, that's, that's the goal. That's hashtag goals. Hashtag goals. Hashtag goals, man. That's good. So now you're, uh, so you, you, uh, live in LA. Between, in the, between, between the two. Yeah. 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 Between the two. Yeah. And so I guess, uh, just what, what is it like right now? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, a lot of folks who are maybe listening to this podcast live maybe in the Southeast. I mean, and sure. So some folks maybe, uh, around the country, we have some world listeners too, but you know, everyone, oh, okay. you know, well, I know. Hello, hey, Rita, hello. Rita Nero, hello. <laughs> so I guess like, you know, you, you see, it's one of those things where I'm all, I always love to talk to people who actually live in these areas where we often hear about, right? Like we often hear how it's going with COVID or we hear how it's going with protests, but I'm like, okay, I'm talking to somebody who like actually lives there. So what has it been like? What's, what's been the atmosphere? What's been how things have actually been? Cause it's one thing to like catch a news, you know, piece or to read an article It's another thing to talk to someone who's like, I'm raising a family. And this is what it's like going to the store yeah. or going out. And here's what it was like when protests and things were happening when, yeah. um, you know, where, where we live. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, Cause we started in, we started in Nashville and then when the lockdowns all started, we by the time we'd, we had migrated over, uh, to, <laughs> uh, well, kind of inadvertently back to, uh, I think it was like around spring break. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's uh, right. Uh, to Los Angeles. And then like, and then we just kind of were like, okay, well, what's really happening now? The, the protest side of it um, has it's been in, I, I just, a, I feel like I feel very old because now there's like no millennials and like the protesting is a generation below me. And I'm like, yeah. how is that possible? Yeah. How's there a generation that's younger than me? That's also like between me and my children's age. That's a generation. That's very interesting to me. And that's really leading this movement. And I think it's a different kind of movement. And I think that people, uh, President Obama had talked about, you know, people had gotten very comfortable typing on, a face, on Facebook yeah. and kind of protesting via Facebook. So to see like people saying, no, we're going to really protest. I mean, talking to, you know, my mom who lived through Dr. King, you know, you know, who remembers Dr. King's assassination and talking to uh, uh, Christina, my, my, my wife's uh, parents who are in a biracial marriage mm-hmm. and, you know, who, you know, talk, you know, who, got married not too long after that was even actually legal. Um, You know, talking to, you know, so it's very interesting living in a flash, like live, knowing that you're living in history is a very interesting and having the context of it being so near people who also lived through the civil rights act and the voting rights act and who lived through that in the sixties and having to hear and listening to their experiences is really interesting um and then to have friends because obviously because of where i where i've lived um have a lot of friends who lived through the riots after rodney king and be able to compare and contrast that today and then to drive around you know to drive through some of these neighborhoods and see the boards up and to see like the what i think it's only be to see the grief of a city, to see the grief of a nation right. is what it is. I mean, right. to see a nation grieving. Yeah. Um, and I know that we, we kind of crystallize it into the narrative is either, Oh, you're either for the looters, you're for the protesters and peaceful protesters and this and that. It, it, 
yeah, I hundred percent agree. And I've, I've talked, I've, you know, about the, about how I'm with Keisha, uh, uh, Keisha Bottoms, uh, the mayor of Atlanta, when she was like, the looting isn't helpful, it's not helping any, you know, that's not her comment. I thought she gave a great uh, soliloquy about that. Right. But to me, it's not, it's kind of besides the point because no matter how you dice, if you're peaceful or not peaceful, it's a, it's a, it's a way of grieving. It's a grief. So it, it's, it's to see a city grieve, to see a nation grieve coast to coast and to see us kind of where we are today, that is the, um, it, it's just historical and you're just living through history and you're just seeing yeah. it and you're like want to f- photograph and you want to remember this moment and you have children that are living it and you're like how do you protect both protect your children you're also kind of wondering wait where is this escalating someplace that we're not as familiar with um yeah and it, it's that's not completely answering your question but that's no that's i think that's the, good yeah the, the side that where i see history is today yeah that's good Okay, so a couple things before this has been great. A couple things before we get out of here. Um, I guess the the I was like, well, you know, I should ask you this, like as someone who is around cars and selling, you know, and running these dealerships and that thing, you know, and 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 there's the reality of like the kind of work that you're in is that everyone gets a like the thing that you are trying to sell. Like every, most of us, not every person in America, yeah. but most of us, a lot of we have us, international listeners, people, yeah. people in London taking the two. Yeah. 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 You know, a <laughs> lot of us have a car like that is a part of like life. Like one of the, it's becomes one of the essentials yeah. to, to living. So I'm, I'm always interested with people who are, who are around a certain industry and know it pretty well. It's like, what's, what's something What's like nuggets of wisdom as someone who has done this work uh, to the to the average person listening who's like, yeah, like cars. I like cars. I want to I'm going to buy another car. Like, what's the thing that you wish that, you know, everyone would understand about the industry that is cars that maybe they're not Mm -hmm. understanding? And uh, yeah, like what's what's that? What's that wisdom? What's that nugget of it of advice? You have to start with what, why you want the vehicle that you want. Uh, we try to really qualify, qualify, and understand kind of the the customer and understand what what it is that your objectives are. Because uh, you know we're selling the second most. In the second most important asset next to the house to the family that own our own. It's very expensive. It's a, it's a big burden, and so that's a very big responsibility. So I so I talked to my staff and and our, and our team about how do you you know how do you make sure that everyone realizes that that you know that this is what they're going to take their kids to the soccer games in. This is what they're going to go on their first date in. This is what you know. This is a very this is a very important part of who you are as a person. Your car is. So it's important, I think, that people understand that when they're looking for cars, it's like a lot of times you kind of hear people say, um, oh, I don't really care. Or, I'm just concerned about the price or, I just, I, you know, or, may, or maybe they're like, I, just, I don't care what it is. It just has to be red or whatever. Right. But what do you really want <laughs> and what are your objectives? Are you and it's and it's um, it's kind of terrifying, I think, because people are like, wait, I'm like, well, what do you what are, are you? Are you a big outdoor enthusiast? Um, do you, you know, is it important that you have uh, a vehicle that can do substantial off-roading or do you want, or is fuel economy more important to you? Or do you really care about um, 
or do you really, you know, do you really care about uh, some, you know, do you really care about having a large amount of cargo space, towing capacity? What, you know, what, do you, or where do you see yourself? What do you want to, how long do you want to keep the car? Do you keep the car for three years or keep the car for six years? What are your, you know, what, just trying to understand better what, who you are as a person to put you with the right vehicle because nothing's right. worse than somebody buying a car and then being, ah, oh, I, I got it, but I didn't, you know, I got this car. We're going to get pregnant next year. So I didn't know I was going to really need another bigger car. I didn't, I didn't get a big enough car. I mean, these are just kind of the things that I think that you want to really understand and really think about it from that, from that perspective. Don't get so caught up on price, get caught up on what is it you need. And then you can say, okay, now I want to say I can go new, I can go use, I can do whatever you want to do. Just don't make it, uh, make it based, make start off with what, your needs are. Yeah. That's, good. Um, that's, that, that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest, uh, the biggest thing. That's good. And I, I yeah. And I understand that from the, <laughs> from the, from the, from the shoe perspective, because if someone was like once they were like, well, what's your vibe? I, was like, I don't have a, a vibe. vibe. <laughs> I don't know. What is my vibe? I got very stressed out about it. So I understand it's very stressful to know like what your needs are and what your vibe is, right. because, but people need to know that so they can help you in your, decision-making process. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and so uh, then another, I have two more things I want to ask you then I and we went to the speed round and these, hopefully these will be, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Okay. Number one is um, you just mentioned and, and I, and I'm glad you mentioned it is that you sit in front of your team and, and a variety of teams um, near about every day of your life. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, motivating inspiring you know uh, uh managing people and that's a part of your that's the part of the water that you swim in every day so i'm curious like and you i'm sure you've read many a leadership book you've been to some conferences i'm sure you've had mentors in the past and present and so i'm curious like what is as someone who does that kind of work what is like one of the one of the many lessons you have learned in managing a people, because my theory is, is that uh, for a lot of folks, you're eventually going to be in a situation where you might have to manage someone. Maybe not. That's not true for everybody, but there's a, there's a potential that you're going to be, whether it's having an intern or having an assistant, or maybe you become the team lead and you're going to be the one kind of overseeing or in charge of like inspiring and motivating a crew of people. So what have you learned or a nugget that you can kind of come back to when it comes to this kind of work? Well, that's, there's like, that's a whole encyclopedia of like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. That's a whole, and you can just give one, no, you can always come back and we can no, always come I, back to I, I do have believe you on again. They're the biggest. I know. <laughs> The, it's cliche, but the biggest thing is communication. I, I, I'd say communication because communication is really critical. So you can set expectations for people and you can, and it protects you and it protects them. So you say, here's what the expectation is. And I think the, the, the difficult, and there's a lot of steps after this, but the difficult part is saying, asking yourself, what are your expectations? Just yeah, like, what are, what are your expectations? You this is for me as a boss, what are my expectations? I expect this, this, and this. And so when you're working on that, and I think the good bosses, and as I've gotten, become a stronger, more confident leader, I realize I spend a lot of time thinking about what my expectations are because people want to have a goal in mind. You just can't say, well, do this and just figure it out in your way. And, you know, here's where I want to end. Here's the end point that I'm, this is what success looks like. Yeah. 
and being able to communicate that message and communicate what you want. And because it then people get frustrated when they feel like they're wasting their time. If they do something, they give you a project and, they, and you say, that's not what I wanted. That's not the way I needed that. They're going to be like, I just wasted three days of my life trying to figure. I mean, sure, right. I was paid for it, but that's still three. I mean, people don't want to feel like they're wasting their time. Yeah. And so being able to communicate and cut, kind of cut through some of that and say, no, this is exactly what I want. I want to communicate it so clearly that if you don't understand, that's on you and not on me. Right. I mean, and not not just not to shift blame, but so that you can feel confident and say, oh, no, you didn't understand or you didn't read carefully. This is what I said. You really want to be, make very, make it very, very clear to people and make under and that because that way people get frustrated when they're wasting time. People get frustrated um, if they don't really understand. And they, then they have to, like, I think about this really hard about because a lot of, I think, a lot of the, when you're working for someone, I think a lot of what your job is is try to manage up and try to get into your boss's mind, like a better right. term. Yeah. And so if you can eliminate as much of that as possible, then that's really, um, critical and so that communication i know people are like oh this communication that sounds so you know so juvenile but it is i mean it's i know it sounds like 101 but it, it community if you become a stronger communicator you're gonna become a better manager yeah. period we'll stop that's good that's good okay and what about faith how's your how's your faith informed your your life and work and what you do it has my faith is such, you know, I'm so blessed that I grew up in a Christian home. So I grew up in a, so my faith is, so my faith for, um, so it's so, ing, it's so ingrained in you. And I feel like when I sometimes when I talk to people, I'm so fascinated by people who didn't know God mm-hmm. at an early age. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's so, so I do feel like it's kind of like this unfair advantage when your parents like force you to go to pre, uh, to Sunday school or like you're kind of like raised it's a, raised in a certain way. I, I'm probably who's going to, who's going to be listening. This is going to get really mad. Is that not, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, and cause I, and I think that, you know, and I think that, but to me, um, my faith. So, so it's, so it's such like a, a fiber of who I am um, that, that because I started learning at such a, a young age. And so it's like reading or writing to me. And I think that you kind of practiced your, and then I think that as I've grown, in my faith, what I used to view um, curiosity about cur- curiosity about faith as being kind of like a negative thing, mm-hmm. um, because it was more of a uh, not from my personal, not from my my house, but my uh, like when I went to a a very a, a very very small private Christian uh, Christian school, like Baptist school, Southern Baptist school, for a few years when I was very young, and it was very rigid. I mean, as I'm not speaking bad about Southern Baptist, but I'm just saying it was very, it was very rigid. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's oh, yeah. more of a rigid environment. And I think it's less of a, it's not as, you're not allowed to be curious about the faith. I mean, in sort of certain extent, that's a little bit even old, old. Uh oh. <laughs> and then it just cut out. You're like, done. No. Done. <laughs> that, that, that's my core audience. What is wrong with you? <laughs> okay. Ben, we're back. Sorry about that. Here we go. Yeah, what were you saying? All right, so 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 I grew up. So growing up, uh, I, I'm gonna try to kind of. I might just wind it backwards a little bit. So growing up, I, I, I mean, it's, it's such a fire of who you are. I do grow. I, I did. I went to uh, in my earlier years, my very early uh, early elementary years. I went to a pretty rigid Southern Baptist, uh, Southern Baptist 
school. So I felt like being able to, so kind of questioning religion was very frowned upon. And I think that there were kind of elements of that later on that I, that I kind of could see with other religions, but what well, not religions, but other uh, denominations, denominations as well. Yeah. But they, so I think that that did kind of, so I felt very restricted or constricted for a long time on the religious views when, as I, but then as I got into high school, I started to, I had a lot of friends who were Catholic and the Catholic, uh, Catholicism is really always very interesting to me. Um, so in, later on, uh, as you know, Pepper, Pepperdine has like an international program. That was, that was one of like my focuses when I was in Italy was, uh, learning about Catholicism and the church. And that was wow. very interesting. To me. And so I really enjoyed that. And so then I felt like, okay, I was like, okay, well here I have these very fundamental building blocks to my religion that I really understand. There's like a fiber of me. I, you know, I'm a Christian and I understand what this, what this means. And now, um, and, and, and so I think that helped me kind of understand my faith and also kind of, I guess, adds to faith as well. And then when I went to, um, and, and then after, uh, after college, when I went to law school for the first time, I had a large swath of both, uh, of both Jewish friends and Muslim friends that I'd never had before. I'd never been exposed to that before in that, in that way. And so then I started really kind of getting more, um, uh, more engaged with, I think, religion as a, um, as a whole, uh, I guess a holistic view of religion, a holistic view of, uh, of religion in the world, because I think it's just yeah. so interesting. Cause I think, I think that it's so, in a lot of aspects of Christianity and a lot of aspects of the church, it's so inward looking and this is what it is to be a Christian. But being able to say, what is it to be um, to be Jewish? What is it, to, you know, what is it to be another religion? Is so interesting to me, and it hasn't changed my faith as a Christian, but it's definitely enhanced my faith. Sure, and yeah. I think it's enhanced my worldview and the way that things like interact, intersee, and uh, interact and kind of intersect with one another is really very, very interesting. I think that it, it gives you such a worldview. I'd love to travel. It gives you such a worldview uh, when you're able to go into other areas of the world um, and see that there's a whole world out there besides Christianity that I think people have to be very respectful of. And I was never taught, this is a very personal opinion. Sure. Of my, so yeah. I was never taught at an early age to be respectful of other religions. Yeah. That's not something that I feel like we are taught as Christians to be. It's either it's like Christian or bust. Those yeah. like this, that's, <laughs> that's the that's the way. And so and so but when you go and then uh when you go and you experience and you go to other, you know, you're in Turkey or you're in Israel or you're, you know, I mean you you go when you're experiencing these other religions, you're saying, oh, this is very it's oh, that's a very interesting view you have. That's a very interesting take you have on that. I really learned a lot from you. And you can and I it, it serves as an enhancement to your religion and it serves as an enhancement as your guide because like I talked about you're uh, uh, an arts and history major an art and history major uh, which I'm not but <laughs> which <laughs> I, I love coming back to the art yeah, history which I'm not but I say but no, it, it just enhances the way you work and in, yeah, in the right. workplace you understand that the world is not about you so Christians I always go back to there's other people in this world besides Christians and I believe our job as a Christian is to support other religions in the same way that Jesus was a teacher of his religion. Jesus was a teacher of fundamental print of, of basic principles of, of decency. And so when I see some of the hateful rhetoric, and so when he sees some of the hateful rhetoric and some of the non-tolerance for, uh, for other religions in the world, it makes me very sad because 
it is it seems so antithetical to Christianity. It seems so antithetical to the Bible and that and our duty as Christians to understand our own religion and how it must interact with the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you I think you're you're hitting on something which I think only enhance you as a person as you enter into the workforce and as just a human in general, which is traveling to other parts of the world. I mean, just traveling even within your own country does something to you, but Mm -hmm. traveling to different parts of the world does something even more for you. And it's such a benefit to your growth and development of your faith and of your interpersonal skills communication skills, all of that gets enhanced when you travel. And so I think you're exactly right. Like getting, getting outside of your comfortable bubble, whatever that looks like, you know, and wherever that is in in this particular country or, or anywhere, like traveling to other places just does something to you that, that staying put and just reading and watching a video just can't do. And and I also think you're, you're, uh, you're right on the money when it comes to, um, we need to continue to be curious because curiosity and being curious is, is a good thing. And we, and we need to hold on to that. And so much of certain, certain streams of Christianity tends to find itself like wanting to land so heavily on certainty and black and white thinking and not trying to stay curious and, and, uh, and keep exploring and keep growing and developing, etc. So I think that's good. That's good. Okay, well, let's do the speed round. The speedish round is what I like to call it. It's not really that speedy, but it's speed, speed enough. And this is how we'll end our time. Okay, so we'll start off with, oh, yeah. What's something people seem to misunderstand about you? How do I know what people don't understand about me? I don't know. That's this part of the speed round. This is part of the speed round. Uh, I think that uh, I, I think that depend upon depending upon your interaction with me. Yes. Uh, it, I think that people have very different views of who I am kind of as a person. I think that if you see me socially, you're gonna think I'm a different person than I than you do if you see me at work or if you see me uh, with my kids. I think that like I, I, I think that I think that a lot of people, especially people at work, they're like, oh, he's very, very serious. I mean, I, I'm very serious at work. Right. And that's clearly not all that I am. I am serious about work. I'm serious about my job. I'm serious about being professionalism, but that's clearly not all that I am. Yeah. So it depends who you ask. Is that an answer? Oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's good because it's, it's true. I think maybe the, the thing that people might misunderstand is that I am, you know, I, I'm not just one dimensional. I am, yeah. I am someone who changes depending on the environment that I'm in. And that's, that's true of me as it's true of anyone else. So yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, a few of your favorite quotes. What are some of your favorite quotes? Um, this one, actually, I have my desk. I, uh, it's very, very in-depth. Never, never, never give up from Winston Churchill. You can see that right there. Yeah. Actually, oh, yeah, there it is. Uh, I, I, I love that just as a constant reminder um i also love the uh the quote i forget who it was but actually i think i even used it in um in high school uh don't be so humble you're not that great <laughs> that was a really random quote i always just loved it uh, <laughs> that's I good loved it. uh and uh so that's a winston churchill one i don't know um oscar Wilde has some good ones um 
and then a good cultural one, and, this, and then a good random one from a, a random source. On it. You, you probably get a lot of very insightful ones. But I believe that it was Dolly Parton who said, uh, if you don't like the road you're on, then pave a new one. I like that. Ooh, that's, that's, good. Dolly, that's Dolly yeah. Parton. So that's I'll leave good. you with that one because oh. I, I don't go to just one source for my quotes. I go to lots of sources. And Dolly Parton is a good source. And to Dolly go to. Parton is a source. And also just basically the whole Hamilton musical. It's like one long quote. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not right. laughs> and all of Hamilton. <laughs> and all of Hamilton. <laughs> Okay, uh, what are uh, some uh, albums you think everyone should listen to? Um, my music and my 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 taste in music is very like eclectic. So I look. I mean, I just get a part. I listen to every. I mean, I listen to every single genre of music. There's not a genre of music I do not that I that I just like. I will anything. Uh, I think that within somewhat of our community that the Beatles are very underrated, which I know it's not, which sounds kind of crazy, but I don't feel like enough people listen to enough Beatles songs. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's, that's a fair statement. Um, obviously any uh, Beyonce album, you know, I'm going to say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you watched black is King? How many times have you watched it? Um, I've actually, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that I'm, I haven't even seen the whole thing yet. Oh, I wanted to, no. I, I know I, the re- reasoning being is that I like to, there are certain things that I don't just want to do background. I want to be highly invested in. Yeah. And because our uh, child-free TV time is very limited, uh, <laughs> then I, I, I have to, my, my full focus. So my, my goal is to see that within the next two weeks. Okay. And everyone says it's amazing. So don't ruin it for I me. I won't I'm, ruin it. Won't ruin it. So I've seen homecoming several times. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Any other ones? Are you good? Uh, I just, I love all music. So yeah. it's just, it, it's just hard for me to, to narrow it down. Those, those are, I mean, but if, but if you were like, you have to be locked in a room and who do you have to listen to? I would say the Beatles and Beyonce, the two B's. That's it. Is there, is there anything else? Is anything? <laughs> That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. Uh, one or two books people should read. Uh, there's my favorite book for management is a uh, multi-unit leadership by uh by jim sullivan that's my favorite business book thus okay. far i very much enjoyed that book and then the other my other favorite uh i guess like good for your soul book and this is and this is very very old um this isn't like don't this is like a bestseller current but i i was just telling somebody the other day I, how much i love the book too this is more oh Okay. Which is an oldie but goodie. And I was just I, yeah. I was just talking about how much I love that book the other day. I know that sounds very random, very old, but that's but that's my chicken soup for the soul style <laughs> self thought book <laughs> that, that, I go, that I that I go back to. Okay. Am I supposed to, am I supposed to say uh you know Josh's books or no? Yeah, no, this is not, you don't have to plug it or, 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 you know, other people's books. Yeah. Other. Like Luke's or somebody else's. <laughs> I'm, Luke, waiting for free, uh, I'm waiting for him to send me a signed copy. That's what, so I don't. <laughs> yeah. A guest on the show, Luke Norsworthy, and a recent guest. So that's good. Um, yeah. Okay. So if you had to leave, so you, you've lived in a few cities, but we'll, we'll yeah. say, we'll give you your option. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Pick whichever city you want. You yeah, lived in a bunch. Okay. 
If you had to leave those, maybe you, maybe the cities you lived in, let's do this. The different uh-huh. cities you've lived in, uh-huh. if there was like, you had to pick one last spot to hit before you left each of those cities, what oh. are going to be those spots? I mean, obviously, obviously they're going to be food places, sure, even though it's right. quarantine, I'm trying to like, so obviously. Yeah. Um, I, in Nashville, by far my favorite restaurant, and well, I have two favorite restaurants in Nashville, but I do think that what you cannot get replicated is Hattie B's hot chicken. You cannot get that replicated any place in America. Trust me, I've tried. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here. So that's, that's first and foremost. And that makes me sound like a very basic Nashville tourist. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's true. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So that's first, that's first and foremost. Uh, I'm basically giving you a list of my favorite restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. And, um, Which is what I love. Bowling Green, my favorite restaurant in Bowling Green is called Shogun. Um, it's like hibachi grill place yeah. where they build a cafe so you don't have to do the show. You know, because if you're really into the food, you're like, I don't want the show. Just give me <laughs> the noodles, the rice, the chicken, and that's what you're into. And so that's what you do. Right. Uh, and then if I was going to, so that's, that's for bowling. That's my favorite shogun in Bowling Green. And then in LA, if I was going to have like one last meal, um, oof. I know. I know. Honestly, the dining experience is so different. It's like I don't because it's it's such a it's such a a, sl- a slush. Everyone you want a slush. You're going to go. Uh, I would definitely say though, and this is going to put me back in this like. <laughs> Ross's chicken and waffles is un- is unmatched. You're right. So you're and not wrong. I, mean, I, don't, I don't. I don't even go there. I probably go to Roscoe's like twice a year when I'm in LA. Uh, I don't even go that often. I, mean, I used to hit it up like monthly, but now it's this year. But, the, but their food is like if you want to get soul food, that is the 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 place. And then, yeah, that's that's the that's the place. Okay. What are one? What's one of the keys of a good life? Uh, finding uh being finding ways to be content no matter where you are. That's that's the big that's the big push there. That's good. That's good. And then if you had to go on a road trip, what? No, oh, 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 yeah. And if you had to go on a road trip and you could pick any three people dead or alive to be in the car with you. The, this is so hard. I know. What, what is your, uh, what, what's your criteria for this? I, I need more direct. I need more direction for this question. I need, I need you to like lead me down more roads because it, it's it's such I I hate these questions. I like that, okay, that, okay. Here, I mean, it's a great question because it gets you thinking, but it's like you have to narrow it. Down. Okay, here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll I'll eliminate like let's not put any family member. Like so, all family people are are assumed that you would you know you know there's people that we would assume who are in our families or who have who are here or who are who have passed away we would have them out on a road trip like that would be yeah. that's a, okay. that's safe that's to assume small, right. Like, right. So right. Three, that's a very small net. yes was it like friends like my current friends yeah. like my, none, my, like, none of your friends go or? go people that you're not you know no best buddies no yeah any of that like go like cultural go literature okay. go whatever yeah. like go 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 big yeah, uh, my I think and, that, and, and no Jesus because we know he takes the will anyway. So like we don't. Yeah, who are you? But I, I I do have a biblical. So the most interesting biblical person, and this part is a lot about my religion. So don't throw rocks at me. <laughs> he is not sin. <laughs> uh, 
I, I would probably include in that, this has always been fascinating. Um, Judas is so interesting to me. And the story yeah. of Judas, and I think that it's such an important kind of unknown story, at least to me. Yeah. Like, not, you know, I think that the, ba- I want to know, I just want to be able to understand and know and really like, it's a very like room where it happened. Uh, style questioning for him specifically yeah. because he's kind of like one of the most important, arguably the most important historical figure that we don't really know that much about. Right. Um, so I would be very curious to kind of, so, I mean, he would definitely be in there. Um, and then if I had, then also if I had to have somebody else as well, um, I love, uh, I love JFK. That would mm-hmm. be another, um, that'd be another, Someone who's who's much closer to <laughs> this era. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You're, uh, you're, uh, you're, J- you're... JFK. Um, I think that would be very interesting. And then, uh, you know, we, to kind of round it, how we started talking about it, I would want to have um, a woman as well. Yeah. Uh, to, as, as a representative, but I don't know which era of which era. Like, do I would I would I want to have someone like uh, Sojourner Truth? Or would I want to have someone more, uh, like, more current? Uh, Kamala Harris, is she available? Uh, <laughs> like, she might be a little I mean, busy. <laughs> yeah, she might be a little But, uh, yeah, I, maybe I would go with somebody like um, a, yeah, maybe I would go with somebody like uh I have, to, I have to think about that one. The last one. Those, those are two good ones. You know, yeah. you know that the, the third one. I, 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 just, I wouldn't want to waste it. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, <laughs> You're not like going to say. Gonna I don't, don't want to waste it by saying it out loud right now. Okay. But, so, <laughs> so it will remain a mystery. You'll, you'll we'll talk about it next time you come back. It, it would be so. Okay. I was. It would. I want to do some more research and I'll write. I'll write a review back into okay. you. And I'll say it would, it would be a. It would be a. I think it would be a black woman from the early 1800s. I think think that I I would. Yes. Okay. There we go. Remain a mystery. I like it. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Chad, thank you so much for being here. This has been great. (laughs) All right. Have a good one. We'll see you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye.